I think if you land in a war zone, I don't think it counts as U-Hauling. <laughs> no, the, Myrtle is literally in a U-Haul. That's where they find him. <laughs> I forgot he's literally in the U-Haul. Like they pull him out of there. That's so homophobic to pull him out of the U-Haul. Waiting for a break in the rain. Waiting for the moment to change your lane. I came home from the wasteland. Heroic and triumphant like a comic book girl. Created out of nothing like a comic book girl. Hey! So anyway, I read this journal and, um... There's a lot to unpack here, but I think we should just throw away the whole suitcase. Wait, why? There, no, all of our stuff is in there. We need to unpack it. The point is, I'm really mad about this journal. We definitely want to talk about Marco's cute little bee face because it's adorable and good. But first, we should probably introduce ourselves. Hey, it's Parker. My pronouns are she, her, and my other car is an anonymous account that I use to harass transphobes. I love that for you. Yeah. That is an admirable project. It rules. This semester is almost over. We only have like four more weeks left. <sighs> My brain, I can't, my brain, my brain doesn't process, like, a month in advance. That's not... I, I just realized we're, we're on Journal 40. <laughs> anyway, um, hi, my name's Cassandra Kelly. I use she, her pronouns. And my fun fact is that I, as of this weekend, was able to reproduce, basically from scratch, my favorite bagel order, which is kind of expensive. Ooh. Today we're reading Animorphs Volume 40, the other, it's got Marco Morphin into a cute little honeybee on the cover. I don't like bees. I recognize that they serve an important ecological function, but also I stepped on a nest of yellow jackets as a child. Hi, my name's Erisa Rin. I use she, her pronouns. And my fun fact for this week is that I've gone through four hairbrushes in the past year. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Anyway, we should actually... Hold on, I'm going to go grab a decongestant because I am so full of snot right now for some reason. Gotcha. The reason uh, is allergies. In the meantime, maybe Erso, you want to read the synopsis? Yes, read the Snape snop. Synopsis. Okay. So this, okay. This week we read Animorphs Volume 40, The Other, which is what they called me in high school. In another wonderful example of why TV is actually good for the American youth, Marco spots yet another Andalite caught on local television. Conferring with Tobias and Axe brings to light one major difference that this Andalite is new. The Andalite is missing nearly all of his tail. The trio immediately go to scout the area they recognize from the footage and meet Gafinilin Estrif Valad, a former commander whom Axe admires for his accomplishments. Gafinilin reveals he is protecting the injured Andalite named Myrtle and searching for Visor 3. There's some extremely yikesy ableism from Axe as, as well throughout the book. Yeah, there is. It's terrible. I'm back with food, and it's bad. The food. Not the food is good. The ableism is bad. The Animorphs are suspicious and follow Gafinilin to his house. Marco uses the bee morph to enter Gafinilin's otherwise protected house by using the entrance to the beehive that he uses to tend his garden, and discovers Myrtle is in fact not there and has not been there for quite some time. They later organize for Gafinilin to meet Jake, who appears in human form to avoid being captured, and what the Animorphs suspect is, is Gafinilin's ploy to get a new Andalite body, as they discover that he is suffering from, quote, Sula's disease, and he will die soon and is incapable of rescuing Myrtle, who has been captured by Visor 3. The Animorphs team up with Gafinilin after this revelation to save Myrtle, who they locate using Gafinilin's gay psychic homing beacon, 
Homobegin and rescue in a daring fight against many Herkbegir controllers in an abandoned train yard. Marco closes the journal by musing on how the Animorphs and people of Earth perceive each other and use prejudice towards one another based on their strengths and weaknesses because he spent the entire journal defending Myrtle against Axe's ableism. That's volume number 40, The Other. I think it's really interesting that it's titled The Other because of like the feeling of being othered when you're disabled. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like sometimes the journal titles are very tenuously connected to the actual subject of that specific journal and i feel like the other was maybe just meant to be like oh the other andalite or something it like should that. have been called the othered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know if the idea of being othered was something that existed in the popular consciousness in the 1990s oh no i'm kind of i'm kind of assuming it was just an accident but it still fits gotcha mm-hmm. i would agree with that mouthful <sighs> of food yeah likewise it's good it's good bread i'm so good at making sourdough but yeah ableism throughout in this one so much ableism. Axe reveals, I don't want to say his true colors, but like, all right, never mind. You know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. I feel like if we're going to talk about volume 40 or the other, yes, it's kind of necessary to go in with a holistic view of culture as a sort of like multi-species phenomenon that rejects like a human-centric worldview. My notes contain a lot of the word gay in all capital letters because this book's pretty gay. That said, that said, I think we got to keep in mind that though the three of us might share a queer culture that's sort of rooted in like place and time, that culture signifiers and norms are just one set of many queer paradigms on Earth and many, many cultural paradigms of all sorts from non-human cultures. There's a certain amount of sort of tender stepping that we need to do here. That all acknowledged, though... That all acknowledged, though, this book's pretty gay. You're a ballet dancer. It's really gay. Like that's not stepping tenderly. Chapter five, like a Finland comes in and I'm like, who's this Tom of Finland? Like, who is this? <laughs> I don't know. Given everything that I said, like, uh, like it is really hard for us in our cultural context to look at Gafinolin and Myrtle and not see a queer narrative. It's pretty gay. <laughs> it's pretty gay. Uh, our wings somehow locked and as one, the ship spiraled to the ground. Even the story like, of their downfall gay. is already gay. And I think, I think it's even, I didn't remember this from like when I had read this as a kid. I don't remember the exact moment because I just like took this note and didn't write a page number when marco and tobias are like sort of lurking outside the house and watching they're talking about how gefinolin like went back for myrtle okay so let me just like lay this out for you because the layers are wild so marco known haver of gay vibes is talking to tobias also known haver of gay slash trans vibes well marco also has some trans vibes you know queer vibes whatever marco says to tobias about this very queer feeling relationship don't romanticize this <laughs> and i was like yes. the layers sir the layers oh boy imagine being so in denial the layers of repression imagine being so deep in the river in egypt called the nile yeah i also think that rachel's assessment that gefinolin is overcompensating for sort of having to hide and having to having to sort of not be himself all the time by like attempting a sort of perfect domesticity also reads as very gay yes i would like to introduce yet another sitcom to (laughs) y'all 
Oh boy. It's called Normal Human Dude Living Alone in His House with His Best Friend Who He Loves Very Much Who Is Hiding in the Closet. <laughs> and they have to hide their true identities from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very much not a gay thing because they're aliens and it's they aliens can't be gay <laughs> yeah gay i mean i like i really think that it is important for me personally to emphasize that i don't necessarily think that just because we see it as gay means that it is like gay from an and a like cultural viewpoint but like you're totally right and you're totally valid but also like it's pretty gay i do have to refute it a little bit because we don't do that kind of analysis for literally everything in andalite society and there are a lot of things that we just know because it's acknowledged in the text that are the same based on the same social cues across andalite and human cultures now Granted, there are some big differences psychologically and like physiologically between Andalites and humans, but I really don't think that we can go over the rest of these journals with the cursory view that we have been and then only narrow in on the one thing that there has a very obvious and clear comparison and like be more critical of it just because we happen to be part of the group that it's about <laughs> you know what i'm saying i think so it's kind of like when historians like don't really second guess or question calling a historical figure straight but if like but if they're calling a historical figure gay they're like well you know they probably wouldn't have used this terminology they wouldn't yeah. have thought of have thought of it this way we can't really know for sure if they would have identified as gay if they came to our time blah 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 but yeah that dude was straight like so exactly yeah yeah i guess it's just like i don't want to I don't know how to say that I wish we'd had, or that we, I wish we could have an Andalite presence in our, in like the discussion of this book specifically without sounding tokenizing. But like, I don't know what Andalite queer culture is like, and this might not look like it, but it does very much look, I don't know. It feels. I mean, hey man, if I keep cozying up to Ursulon, maybe I can let you know what Andalite queer culture is. I was really actually yeah. thinking specifically of Ursulon and like how much I wish that she was around uh, for this particular thing and not in the other discussion group. But again, that feels tokenizing and not good. Well, I think uh, that so... the other like comparable part of this discussion is gender, and Andalites have a pretty analogous view of gender to humans so yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I mean there's a lot of sexism so there's a lot of sexism in the military at least that we've seen i don't know it seems weird it does feel like comparing apples to oranges to compare like a human like human queer sensibilities to like andalites because you're just they just come from a, such a different cultural background but it is pretty glaring to us as queer people that that's what's going on here so it's gay move on like, I got <laughs> choked up. I got choked up at the end, because it, like, Aww. when Marco's talking to Myrtle after the events of this book, and, and just sort of offers companionship. Yeah. And offers, like, hey, you don't have to be alone when your shorm leaves you for the last time. And Myrtle, like, sort of, Myrtle sees that there's companionship there that is available to him that doesn't require him to conform to the way that things are done as an Andalite. That felt very much like, hey, it, it sounds weird when I say it, but, you know, it's, it felt a lot like, hey, you don't have to act straight. Like, you could let your guard down. Like, we know what you're going right. through. 
you know? Like, you don't have to put up this facade. And that felt like a very queer moment, and it was, and it, yeah, and I, 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 I did tear up a bit, because that really, because it, it resonates with him. Uh, anyway, yeah, I had a lot of feelings. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I'm glad. Is Myrtle a queer elder? <laughs> Quelder. I would also like to point out that they are U-Hauling. Because... <laughs> I think if you land in a war zone, I don't think it counts as you hauling. <laughs> no, the, Myrtle is literally in a U-Haul. That's where they find him. <laughs> oh, <that's right. laughs> I forgot! I forgot he's literally in a U-Haul! Like, they pull him out of there. That's how it's this idea of you hauling. <laughs> that's so homophobic to pull him out of the U-Haul. So that's like one of the, but like in context, that's one of the darkest jokes I've ever heard out of you. Because he's being tortured in that U-Haul. Like, I mean, to be fair, I've known some people who U-Hauled a little too quickly and kind of got tortured. So, you know. Oh, God. Uh, Sometimes just because you think someone's hot doesn't mean you should live with them, kids. Yeah. I don't think that cra crash landing in a war zone necessarily, like, sort of fully prevents you from U-Hauling. I just don't think it's a necessary, like, I don't think, like, crash landing war zone immediately is like, well, we must U-Haul now. Mm-hmm. You could go your separate ways. You could, hypothetically, but you could U-Haul. Anyway. Okay, so speaking of their living arrangement and speaking of Gefidolin's whole sort of cover identity, so a Yurk in Invest a Human kind of just overlay on top of an existing human identity without a lot of extra work required, right? How exactly does an Andalite become an adjunct professor? I was also wondering this. Because, I mean, how long has Gafinolin been here? Like, about a year. A year? And he's got this nice Martha Stewart house? My explanation for this was that Axe jumped human technology forward a hundred years by playing around on Marco's computer one time. Like, playing Tetris <laughs> with... <laughs> with the building blocks of humanity's technology at the time. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, if you were super smart and you had to do a bunch of crazy computer stuff, why, yeah, I feel like it'd be really easy to make that happen. <laughs> the alternative that jumps to my mind is that Gefinolin did kill this this man who was his morph, his human Kill morph. or permanently relocate? To Uzbekistan. To Uzbekistan, perhaps. Um, <laughs> yes, to Uzbekistan. I don't know if they had already started, like, storing identity records and stuff on computers at this point in time, but maybe he, like, hacked a computer and, like, created a new identity and also, like, stole money from some billionaires or whatever. Did they have billionaires in the 1990s? A couple, I think. I was gonna say the Joe Bob Fredestra guy. Oh, yeah. Hey, no, nothing has happened with that guy again, like, since. Yeah. That's really wild to me. Bow job fenestrated. <laughs> Man, I really want to just punch Axe in the face. Yeah. Axe is like, we have our ways. And I'm like, yeah, and they suck. <laughs> they suck. I, like, I have my ways is no excuse. Choosing to accept the only cure for a terminal disease is something you're going to stigmatize? Mm -hmm. It's like when I talk to my mom and I'm like, hey, mom, we should change these things that are bad. But she's like, and she's like, but this is the way that things are, honey. The people just have to deal with this. I'm like, they don't. <laughs> Like, you dense person, you dense- <laughs> You're holding back so much. <laughs> you dense Arist, you don't just say those things. What if we give you a minute things. to swear? I, 
Well, if we're gonna give me a minute to swear, I'm gonna talk about chapter 17, where Marco snaps and is like, okay, accent. I'm like, all right, Marco, drop the hammer, baby. Put this ableist his place. Go! Oh! Yeah, I had to cut, like, half of my notes that I cut were just go off, Marco. I left, like, one or two go off, Marco moments in, but... This is the other sort of side of my sort of big disclaimer, like, we gotta be sort of, like, culturally broad in our, our views here and in our perspective is, like, this is normal for them, or... Like, God, I hope was, but I, I don't know. But this was normal, and it is, like, rank and offensive to us. And it doesn't mean that it's right, but, like, we're missing some cultural context. It still sucks, and it's still wrong, and Axe is still a, a big old jerk face in this entire book. Yeah. And it sucks because it's like, yeah, this guy, like, helped save the entire world, and also he would, like, probably have been really rude and gross if he like ever met me in person for example yeah yeah and it's just what's additionally frustrating is that and i know i mean things don't really work like this but it doesn't really feel like he learns from this situation like he just kind of does it performatively i feel like if anything all he learns is like oh i shouldn't say that in front of these people yeah i shouldn't say it in front rather of than like i shouldn't say that or i shouldn't think that or i should like learn to not be an ableist person it's i really just feel like he's like oh okay note to self human friends are stupid about this thing that i am clearly right about must not discuss it in front of them yeah and he chooses to like I feel like he actively chooses ableism. I feel like he actively chooses to... Every day Axe wakes up and chooses violence. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, he does. Interpersonal violence. He does. Chapter 14, like, at this point, uh, Gefindelin has kind of explained the story to them, how he and Myrtle sort of crash-landed on Earth and Myrtle got injured and stuff like that. But they were accomplished fighter pilots in the end, like, military prior to that point. And, like, well after the point that Gunfiddlin has sort of, like, explained his story to them, in Chapter 14, Axe says, I was under the impression the Academy did not admit Veckles. Like, were you listening? You... Yeah. He's he's choosing. He's choosing to be a bigot, and it sucks. Can we say that? God, yeah. it sucks. In the, in the class discussion, I don't know if we can... We probably shouldn't. That's pro Or at least you guys probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, is that like, oh, I really, oh, okay. Like, that is not a word that I'm supposed to be using. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's, in retrospect, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how Axe deandalitized him, mm. or Myrtle. I mean, yeah, it's like being physically disabled myself. I'm somewhat of a connoisseur of slurs that could be aimed at me in a variety of languages. Uh, so, yeah, Vicol or Vecol, like, it's pronounced differently depending on the dialect, is, like, pretty equivalent to, like, the English word cripple, but a little worse. It even sounds like a slur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't it so weird? I was just in chapter 16 and I got, like... Ugh. I got the feelings again. Because you get Fiddle is explaining the situation where he offers to trade himself for Myrtle, but but then he says, yeah, no, the Visser has no more use for an Andalite with a several month life expectancy than he does for a V Slayer. Cassie says, I suppose you could be grateful for that. And his response is, we all want to be wanted. And I'm just like, oh my God. That was such a mood, honestly, from like both a disability and a queerness perspective. I like weirdly related to that line. Actually, so like uppity and frustrating about 
being ableist towards Myrtle, but is sympathetic when it comes to Gofinolin. Like, yeah, he views one thing as being a, almost like a choice, whereas the other thing is like something that could theoretically happen to him. And also, like, I don't know, he he already admired Gofinolin before he knew that he had Sula's disease. So Yeah, and this is actually really interesting from my perspective as someone with like a bunch of human disabilities because it's the complete opposite for me when interacting with other humans most of the time. If I tell another human like, you know, I've been wheeling around and then on crutches now and that's because I injured my foot sort of due to my joint problems but like very indirectly and I had foot surgery. And everyone has been really great about it. They, you know, at work, they've been super willing to accommodate me. You know, people see me in the wheelchair or on crutches and say, you know, I hope you get better. People open doors for me. People do stuff for me. People carry things for me. I tell someone that I have a chronic illness that, you know, makes me be in a lot of pain, a lot of joint pain. I really related to this book and that... You know, I have a very, uh, like, various other chronic illnesses that are, like, related to and caused by my main chronic illness. And they react horribly. You know, have you tried kale? Have you tried yoga? (laughs) Yoga is fine, actually. I used to do yoga as a kid and I loved it. But yoga is actually, like, one of the worst possible things you can do with my specific joint disorder. So, no, I haven't tried yoga recently. Thanks, Karen. I I totally agree with your reading of how he almost treats having, like... A partially amputated tail as a choice because it, it feels the exact opposite for me with chronic illness stuff people treat it like it's a choice they're like have you really tried to do every single thing mm-hmm. to like make yourself normal and i'm like no i haven't tried every single thing to make myself normal because some of those things that i would have to try would suck and i would hate them mm-hmm. so i know but like also none of your business and it's interesting because i think it stems from the same thing that is making acts more chill about chronic illness because I feel like with other humans, they don't want to believe that you can do absolutely nothing wrong and still become chronically ill. So they like, because they see me being chronically ill and they're like, oh, that could happen to me. I mean, my main chronic illness is like genetic, but I've, I have other stuff too. Um, so they see it happening. They're like, oh, that could happen to me, but it wouldn't happen to me because I'm a good person and I do good things. It's the just world fallacy or whatever it's called i was thinking about this earlier today actually basically like you guys know about like virtue signaling well i kind of feel like there's like virtue association that comes with if people in the world find someone attractive they automatically assign certain attributes to that person Mm -hmm. yep about like as a hot person i'm very familiar with this (laughs) um yeah and with like virtuosity and um morality it's interesting i think this is in a large part because of the media depicting the (laughs) the main characters who hold all of the the positive narrative agency that you're supposed to be able to relate to as just being like drawn in a way that resembles quote-unquote normality whereas basically i watched this old disney movie (laughs) i even have to be critical of this within myself because there's this desire for me personally to want to look a certain way. There's still a part of me that like just sees pretty women and it's like, I want to look like that person specifically, which that doesn't really hold any value to me personally. Like stylistically, I can 
you know, take tips from them and like, that's kind of fun. And like, there's value in that, but like consistently going from person to person to person and just being like, oh, I want to look like this person. I want to look like this person is I think assigning virtuosity and morality to the way that their like bone structure looks or the way that their Mm -hmm. like hair texture looks or the Mm. way that their skin texture or color looks. And I just think that's like, I don't know. I think it's something that we all have to deal with, but for me, I've been thinking about it recently. And I talk about this in relation to the Animorphs because I think that there's a certain virtuosity that's associated with any Andalite who has a tail because Point of clarification, when you say virtuosity, do you mean a quality or character of being good? Um, Or do you mean like skillfulness? The the former. Okay. as having as having virtues, like specific virtues. Okay, gotcha. I think I use virtuousness usually to refer to that, and virtuosity usually means like skill. Yeah, I was gonna say I think maybe virtuosity actually means something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we know what you're talking about now. But so it's like... like it's like nauseous and nauseated, you know, like no one cares. I got yeah, you're good. Yeah. But yeah, having a tail in the Andalite society necessarily assigns you like it assigns you similar privileges and like virtues from other people that being able to walk might be given in human society. I don't know. Like, my gut instinct, I think, is to sort of look at the role of the tail blade in the sort of, like, evolutionary history of the Andalite and how having that, like, became a really critical part of not just their culture, but their sort of way of interacting with the world. But I think that that is ascribing, like, I think that approach kind of ascribes a certain validity to Axe's bigotry here. Like, I understand where it comes from. It totally yeah. makes sense. Like, similar reasons as to why humans have similar feelings about the fact that they can either walk or not you know you need to be able to walk to pursue prey or flee danger yeah and that's key like i don't really care about that necessarily i understand what you're saying and i'm not saying you're using it to like avoid any actual responsibility that should be applied to these individuals but you know the sort of closest analog that i come to actually is thumbs because oh, or like hands in general because those mm-hmm. are so like necessary for our manipulation of our immediate environment yeah it's not the bigotry isn't sort of rooted in that kind of evolutionary sort of history it's rooted in like culture and in supremacy and dominance and bigotry and it's like yeah I just said that the bigotry is rooted in bigotry is <laughs> silly and tautological apologies um, <laughs> not untrue but like are we willing to are we willing to at least give Axe the sort of like I wouldn't say it's a a, a pass or a because uh, I I absolutely don't give a, pa- a pass for this but are we at least willing to put this in the context of a lot of the other like pretty crappy things that he's done and said of like oh you were you were like a small baby when you landed on our planet and you had like a sort of like oh you know of course the cops are the good guys because they keep us safe because that's what my parents told me you know like like that's that's kind of the root of his bigotry is that he just has not examined this critically at all i mean he's a child like they're all children at this point so that being said so i know that you two like are trying to sort of approach these like without reading ahead and without thinking too much about like spoilers i know it's like historical stuff but like trying to sort of approach them in a spoiler free way in as much as one can with historical stuff are you about to spoil something i will say that i if i recall correctly from something later in the books that we are actually not going to get to in class i think 
because um, it's pretty far on. I don't think Axe really gets better about this. No, I assume. Well, then that becomes on him. But, like, does the sort of thing that we've said earlier of, like, oh, he's just, he's uncritical of his culture because he's uh, a, a wee juvenile, like, does that still hold? Like, at what point does that card get revoked? Well, he's also an abled person, and also... Yes. I also feel like it's it feels more targeted, in a way, because it's not just, like, oh, Andalites are superior to all humans. It's, like, I specifically think this group of people, which includes some Andalites and also some humans and some of many other species, I'm sure, I specifically think that this group, like, is sub-person. Yeah. Like, is a disgrace, is disgusting shouldn't exist and that feels much worse than just like oh i am superior to you silly earthlings yikes and a half axe why you gotta be such a jerk no one uses fax machines but call you'll hear the noise statues left by ancient greeks the perfect cheeks of goddesses and boys piled in the closet Marco morphs a bee in this book. He's really apprehensive because bees are you social animals, like ants are. Uh, he talks about bees and communism. Okay, there's a thing he says on, what is this, chapter 12? He says, I mean, Castro's like a king when you think about it. And I'm like, I am pretty sure that that's the exact opposite of what Castro was. I don't know enough about history or communism to <laughs> confirm or deny. I'm a bad history student and a bad student of communism. But the whole point of communism is that you don't have kings. It's that it's not a monarchy. You don't have a ruling class other than the proletariat. Yeah, ah? it's kind of a bad comparison, I guess, because... It's a very, like, 14-year-old comparison. Yeah. <laughs> bee communism is not communism. Because there's a queen, and bees are also not people that can think and revolutionize. So that's a core part of society. So jot that down, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marco. I, I hope you learned your lesson from history students a hundred years <laughs> later. <laughs> as soon as we get Myrtle's story from Gefiddly, my first thought is like, okay, so we've we've got a dude who's got a disability that causes him shame. We have access to the morphing cube. Let's just get him fixed up, right? And this is why I have many reservations about morphing technology. Like, I mean, if it's causing him personal distress. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like in this situation it's fine. It's just some of the potential uses of morphing technology are way too close to eugenics. Yes, that actually, that, that makes a ton of sense. Act sort of at, at uh, a point later on when the Edmorphs are meeting and discussing the situation is like, oh, clearly he must not be able to perceive the more. I'm not doing my normal Axe voice because Axe is a jerk in this one. Um, he's like, oh, clearly he must not be able to receive the morphing technology. Otherwise, he would have done the thing. And I'm just like, yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably true to a degree. Well, we have no confirmation of that from either Gefiddlin or Myrtle. Like, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. They have That's access true. to the Escafil device. I was shocked that Marco didn't just bring it at the end. Yeah. But, like, yeah, bamboozled but... by that. I mean, don't all Andalites in the military have the morphing technology, though? Not Myrtle. Well, Myrtle is allergic. Well, we don't know that. Axe is, Axe is the only one. Axe is the only one who sort of mentions that as a possibility, and I don't believe either of them ever confirm it. But you could subvert the whole gay tragic ending, which is you just both become Nothlets and then you get to live for as long as your Nothlet bodies do for in, in happiness. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and Myrtle's um, injury is even recent enough that morphing might just heal. Completely! It would! 
It would get rid of it. So it literally, he could acquire, if, if he is not allergic, he could literally just acquire anything. Morph, demorph. He's fine. Yes. Yeah. And if morphing into Nothlets is a way to solve this issue, Axe wouldn't have suggested it because he does not see that as a solution for any Andalite problem. Yeah, I think that that's like one of the only things that Cofidolin and Axe both agree on is that, like, they both agree on it at the same time as that becoming a Nothlet is like, for this thing, choosing to accept the only cure for a terminal disease is like something that is dishonorable, which just sucks. God, it sucks. Oh, God. Get over yourselves. You're going to die. Take what? Take the thing that's going to help you. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand, like, honor-bound military culture. I don't get it. So, okay, let me let me complicate this because I love to complicate things. So, like I was saying when I was talking about how people always, like, really want to fix me being chronically ill or, like, um, want me to fix myself, even though I can't because it's literally genetic. And also, I don't want to. Uh, some of the things that people think I should do or whatever are things that would really, really suck for me and would have, like, huge disadvantages. So think about think about it like this. So you're, you're this dude, and you have an incurable terminal genetic illness that puts you in a great deal of pain. Um, I think he's losing his vision, they mention. You know, muscle tremors, all kinds of stuff. The only way that you can cure it is to permanently take on a a physical form that is not yours that is you can maybe get it close to being yours but it's not yours you are going to physically be a different person for the rest of your life and you won't be able to change that you will be stuck forever in the wrong body I, I personally, I would still take that, like, I would deal with it, but I can see why he might feel some reservations. I'm also sitting here thinking about, like, what possible other Andalites could he acquire to kind of combine them and make his own body? It's like, he could acquire his husband, he could acquire Axe, and then maybe they get the drop on Visser 3 and acquire um, Aloran, and then mix those three. And I feel like you could get a pretty decent Andalite body. Because if he's acquiring his husband, then he's not acquiring the injury. He's acquiring his original form. So, right. like, mix those. And you have a pretty good... I'm going to keep calling him his husband. I don't care. You have a yeah, pretty good, it. like, yeah, go Andalite body. You know, you get, you get the beef from the husband and um, yeah, Lauren. Fact. <laughs> Tobias, I think, always felt a little disconnected from the rest of humanity and already had a terrible home life that he, like, wanted to get away from and he enjoys flying. And it's not like there was very much that really tied him to humanity and really made him, like, feel really like humanity was his most important aspect. Mm -hmm. But for Gefinolin, I feel like for a lot of Andalites, being an Andalite is a very important part of their identity because of, like, the Andalite supremacy culture kind of thing that they've got going yeah. on historically. So I feel like he wouldn't want to Nothlet as anything other than an Andalite. And then Nothleting as an Andalite in some ways might be more disorienting because it would be almost right but not quite right. So, like, I would I would take this choice, but I can see why he might not want to, especially if he's, like, a warrior and he's, like, really mm. in tune with his body. I guess so. I guess I struggle with it a little bit because the other example that we have of this is Aldria, who is yeah. 
more than happy to relinquish her andalite physiology and become a horde for the rest of her life. And she's just like, yeah, absolutely. This is the choice that... This is the choice for me, and she's not as burdened by that sort of cultural thing. I think it might specifically be like a military cultural thing, because that's what mm-hmm. unites those two and sort of differentiates her. That's the power of love. Yeah. That's the power of propaganda, indoctrination, and military imperialism. <laughs> I was thinking about Aldrea, but yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. I, under- I I appreciate that you've complicated it for us, though, and I think that there's a lot of things that happen in this journal that don't ask from Myrtle's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an important thing to consider when thinking about, like, solutions to his issues. Yeah, yeah, good point. We don't even really get anything from him until much, much later in the book. All right, next week we're reading Animorphs Volume 41, The Familiar, featuring Jake morphing into an older version of himself, a mysterious oh, hunk. Yeah! Who is this gentleman oh, in his number oh, five jumpsuit with his tricorder on his belt? Have you, so have you read this one yet, Park? Me and Cassandra have already read this and it has undoubtedly messed us up. I don't remember it very well. I have read an internet synopsis of this journal, so I know vaguely what happens. This is also a long one. This is uh, 28 page, er, uh, twenty-eight chapters. Until we tackle this one, stay safe, everybody. Uh, bye, everyone. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. The Morph Report is on Patreon. We care a lot about accessibility, and we are paying someone to transcribe all of our episodes. We have a variety of tiers to choose from. Some of our tiers have some pretty juicy rewards. For example, if you pay enough money, you can even force us to watch the TV show and potentially read the other series by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant, Everworld. We would really love it if you would check us out and consider supporting us. Thank you. Stay safe. Thanks to Noelle Micarelli for the use of their songs Comic Book Girl, off the EP Field Notes from Another Place, and Complicated Spoon. You can find more of their music at noellemicarelli.bandcamp.com. The Morph Report is hosted by Marina Malucci, Scrivener Lamb, and Blythe. You can follow us on Twitter at Morph Report. If you have a question for the Podmorphs, tweet at us or send us an email, and we'll answer it on the show. Our email is themorphreport at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. love the Animorph series? How about podcasts? Do you love podcasts? Well, then listen no further, dear listener, and allow me to introduce the Animorphs podcast directory. Here you'll find an ever-growing list of Animorphs-themed podcasts to sit your every Animorphin desire. Check it out. We'll see you there.